You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be starting a new series of shirim, hopefully 10 shirim, possibly more. We'll see how far we get. But we're going to be starting a series of shirim that I'm going to title The Inner World of Addiction. Now, the attempt and the humble attempt in these shirim is going to be to try and understand and contemplate, really, the phenomenon of addiction in all of its different facets really in the broadest sense possible, through the lens of Pneumia Satorah, through the lens of the inner teachings, the inner body of Torah, which includes within it Kabbalah, Hasidus, the Lithuanian Kabbalah of the Vilnagon, the Kabbalah of the Ramchal, the Kabbalah of the Rashash, the Kabbalah of the Balasulam, as well as the Pneumia Sadevarm of the Balai Musur, including Rufutner, following in the path of the Maharal and Rav Eliyahu Dessler and Rav Chaim Friedlander and Rav Shlomo Volbe and Rav Yerucham Levavitz of Mir. And it's also going to be looking at it through the lens of more modern interpretations, through the lens of Rav Shagar, through the lens of Rav Froman, through the lens of really any expression of Torah thought that touches upon the severity and the depth of the human experience that is expressed in the phenomenon, in the condition of addiction. Now, although we wrote up a few introductions that really frame and contextualize the shear, because of how significant they are, I'm going to repeat them. And tonight's shear is really going to be an introduction to the topic of addiction, that this is not a class, this is not a series of classes about how one is to deal with the disease of addiction, which is manifested through the connection, the dependency, and the tolerance on a mind-altering substance or on any behavior which brings with it certain consequences in the individual's life. The reason we're not going to be talking about the lived experience of addiction as it manifests in the horrific and abject symptomology of this disease is for a number of reasons. Number one is to speak abstractly about a condition that wreaks havoc on the individual's life as well as the people who love that individual is unethical in the truest sense of the word because we are taking a lived experience of suffering and we are attempting to posit certain abstract thoughts as if it were something that existed in a laboratory devoid of actual human experience. Number two is that when it comes to addiction itself, as they say in the rooms, so to speak, in the rooms of 12-step theory of addiction treatment, they refer to it as a cunning and baffling disease. And we're going to see different sources in our tradition that understand true human nature as being cunning and baffling as well. But to speak of addiction in a generalized way is to miss the point of what addiction actually is. Because addiction, as we are going to see, is a lived condition or a phenomenon that affects each and every individual quo human being in a subjective and entirely singular way so that to generalize on a certain level is to miss the point of what we're trying to understand. And thirdly, when speaking about a disease, and it is the opinion of myself as well as many figures in the field of addiction, that addiction at this point can be considered a neurological disease like any other form of mental illness, which is rooted in the physiological makeup of an individual's brain. To speak about it from a spiritual perspective is to ignore the lived experience of actuality of addiction, to ignore the process of usage of mind-altering substances, which then 
develops into an abuse of mind-altering substances, which then through the building up of a tolerance results in the adherence or the connection or the dependency of the individual to that substance itself. To speak about it only from a spiritual perspective is to only look at a quarter of the picture. So what we are trying to do is certainly not describe, define, or treat any mode of addiction, but what I'm trying to do is to describe the inner workings of addiction, how on a certain level all of us, in spite of whether or not we're addicted to anything or whether or not we have a genetic propensity towards addiction, how all of us as human beings, quo human beings who simply live in a world, we are susceptible and live within a state that can be roughly described as the potential towards addiction. Because what I'm going to be speaking about is not simply addiction as we see it in its worst case scenario, which is the dependency on mind-altering chemicals, which ultimately lead to death, jail, or destruction. But it is my opinion that every individual, as an individual who lives within the condition of being a human being, has a certain taste, a certain experience of what addiction is. That addiction is not simply to a mind-altering chemical, Addiction is not simply to a behavior that releases stress in some destructive way, but addiction is the connection that a person has towards any object, towards any idea that makes life a little bit more comfortable and thereby becomes habituated and something that we cannot let go of. Addiction, in other words, is always an attempt for an individual to escape from life itself, to self-medicate against the harshness and the difficulties of day-to-day -day living. Now, all of us have this experience, the neshama has this experience, where in confronting the brokenness and the fallenness of this world, we are forced to try and be mitmoded, we are forced to try and figure out how to live in the face of this harrowing solitude in the face of the difficulties, in the face of the surin and the suffering that each and every person experiences on their own individual level. And very often in our attempt to escape or take flight away from the suffering in the midst of life, we find comfort or release in objects that distract us, that pull us out of life. And any time a person becomes addicted or given over, or habituated, or stuck, or enslaved, or enjailed within this particular behavior, it can be considered a bechina, an aspect of addiction. Now, obviously, there's going to be a difference and a sharp distinction between somebody who is addicted to a mind-altering chemical like heroin, lo'alenu. But nevertheless, in the experience of being addicted to being unkind, in the experience of being addicted to isolation, in the experiencing of being addicted to learning Torah or thinking, there can be tasted a full expression of the phenomenon of addiction. So that a person does not need to be addicted or know anybody who is addicted to a substance that is destroying their lives or the lives of their loved one in order to benefit from the spiritual power that is within the phenomenon of addiction and recovery from addiction. All a person has to be is a human being and to understand within themselves how delicate our hold on life is and how easy it would be for us to attempt to escape life through the numbing qualities of anything that distracts us and hides us away from the suffering that, ex that we experience in the everydayness of our lives. Now, to understand addiction through the lens of Panimiya Satora, is on a certain level to also understand the recovery or the freedom from addiction. That addiction as a form of mental illness or a form of human experience is in my opinion the fullest expression in a certain sense of what it means to be a human being. That as human beings we are confounded and we are confronted by assaults on our security, both personal and collective, on assaults of our sense of self, both personal and collective, and the natural response of the individual, the natural response of the subject, who is under assault from things that threaten their subjectivity, that threaten their sense of well-being, is to run and escape and take comfort in something other than the self, whether it be an object, 
whether it be an idea or whether it be a substance, that there is this profound hashkacha in the sense that addiction is referred to as substance abuse. Because at the core of the addictive process, at the core of the addictive phenomenon, is the attempt of the subject who lives in a world that feels chaotic and without center. It's an attempt to grab hold of something, something substantial, something that gives birth to a feeling of being grounded. Our addiction is always an addiction to substantiality. The attempt, like Plato and Aristotle spoke when they spoke about substance, or like Spinoza described the concept of substance, our addiction to substance or our abuse of substance is not simply the abuse of mind-altering chemicals, but it's the abuse and this unending desire to find some substantiality in our lives, some grounding concept, something that makes us feel safer, something that quiets down the harrowing intensity of life, and something that makes life slightly more comfortable. So when looked at in that lens, substance abuse and addiction is not to be seen as a yitziyam in haklal, as a deviation from the general nature of what it means to be a human being, but rather it is the prat that is made on the klal itself. It is the deviation that shows us the true nature of what human beings would do if left to our own devices, that we would become addicted to things, that we would be stuck in any behavior that offers any sense of comfort from the discomforts of this world. Now, the Ramban, Nachmanides, commenting on the chait of Moshe Rabbeinu when he hit the sela brings down a very important medrash which is going to contextualize really our approach to addiction. That typically, when looking at cause and effect of disease and cure, or suffering and relief from suffering, typically the way we function is that disease, distortion, dysfunction comes from someplace, and the relief from that distortion or from that discomfort needs to come from elsewhere that there is the sickness that comes from point A, and there is the cure or the relief that is going to come from point B. So the cure and the sickness are separate and apart from one another, and the cure comes and negates the sickness. But the Ramban, in the name of Chazal, says that when we look at the chait of Meimeriva, when Bnei Yisrael were complaining about the bitter, I'm sorry, not Meimariva, when Bnei Yisrael were complaining about the bitter waters of the Meimara, so we're told that Hashem commands Moshe to take a tree, throw it into the water, v'yimtiku hamayim, and sweeten the water. And Rashi already brings down, and the Ramban brings down as well in the name of Chazal, that this was not simply a miracle where a tree had the capacity to sweeten the bitterness of the water, but it was a miracle within a miracle in the sense that the tree itself that Moshe Rabbeinu took and threw into the water was bitter itself. So that in a miraculous paradoxical sense, Moshe Rabbeinu sweetened the bitter waters with a bitter tree. So that the marirus, the bitterness, which is representative of the bitterness of our lives and the bitterness of what we experience in a day-to-day level, is not only sweetened by joy and happiness and things that come from a place other than marirus, but yesh inyan there is a certain matter that flips everything where even marirus can sweeten marirus. Where in order to rectify the, the, the potent intensity and bitterness of human experience, sometimes you have to delve deeply into the marirus itself so that the marirus sweetens the marirus. So that when you penetrate deeply into enough into the condition and phenomenon of addiction or bitterness, there is something within the addiction itself that sweetens itself from within itself, so to speak. So the Ramban in the name of Chazal say that the way that God, the way that Hashem cures is not the way that human beings cure. Because human beings cure the disease with a cure that comes from elsewhere. But God, so to speak, cures the disease from something that comes from within the disease itself. So when we come to the idea of addiction, 
When we come to the idea of this lived experience of being stuck and enslaved and entrenched within certain behaviors that in its worst case scenario manifests in the abuse, the misuse and the dependency on mind altering chemicals, but can affect any individual according to the point of their heart that they're feeling at that moment. We're going to utilize the words of the Ramban in the name of Chazal that sometimes in order to sweeten an illness, in order to understand how to fix something, we have to truly understand the sickness itself. That in order to find an answer to the condition of addiction, in order to find hope within the hopeless experience of addiction, a person needs to penetrate deep into the sugya of addiction itself to find the, the response and the sweetening capacity that abides within addiction itself. Now, this idea, as expressed in the Ramban, which is that Hashem, so to speak, can cure an illness with the illness itself, is already expressed in the literature regarding recovery. That when you look at an individual in recovery from any substance or any behavior which has destroyed their lives and which has brought certain consequences to their lives, you will find that the process of recovery, the process of healing, is not the polar opposite of the condition that they're running away from. Meaning to say, in order to remove oneself from the difficulties and the destruction of addiction, the answer is not to run in the entirely opposite direction and do everything opposite what you were doing. But we take the, the vessels, we take the kalim of the addiction itself, this intense attachment to something, this difficulty of living without something, this sense of urgency where I need something immediately, and if I don't have it, then I'm not going to survive. We take those vessels and we apply it to the process of recovery itself. So that when you meet a recovering individual, so for example, somebody who is recovering from a substance abuse addiction, you will find that the way they treat their recovery is almost synonymous with addiction itself, that they need to get to their meeting. They need to be able to speak to their therapist. They need to be able to do their meditation. They need to be able to perform their mindful acts. They need to be able to engage in tefillah and prayer because the answer to addiction is not the opposite of addiction, but it's redirecting the energy of our addictions, of our attachments, of our being stuck in this worldliness and throwing ourselves deeply into it, but directing it to something bigger than the substance, to something bigger than the drug, to something bigger than the behavior that we have been using to self-medicate and numb the daily pains of life. Now, the ideas that we're going to be going over in the shirim are unique in the sense that I have had the unique ability to bring them down and to speak about them in real life. Because as somebody who works in and runs the clinical side of an inpatient facility for, addi for addiction and substance abuse, I have been able to take the ideas of Rabbi Nachman, and the Baal Shem Tov, and the Arizal, and the Vilna Gon, and Rav Shagar, and all of the Mahabrim that we referred to earlier, and be mislabish them in different words, in different languages, and see if the ideas that we have actually have an effect on an individual who is suffering from this disease. And what I have found, what I have found is that these ideas speak to a nakuda, to a point within any individual, completely independent of what their religious affiliation or spiritual proclivity might be, and that the ideas, the potent ideas that are within our tradition of Pneumia Satora have had an impact in whatever way impact takes place in the world of addiction on individuals suffering from any type of addiction in, in the lowest possible common denominator, in the lowest possible manifestation of addiction. So what we're going to be attempting to do is, or what I'm going to be attempting to do is to share the, the theory behind, behind these ideas, to share why it might be that the teachings of Rabbi Nachman can help an addict, a heroin addict, from, from the, the heart of the Midwest who has never been exposed to any association of, of Yiddishkeit or Torah, and why these ideas resonate within the soul, within the spirit, within the mind, within the heart of an individual who is so deeply disconnected from who Rabbi Nachman may have been or who the Vilna Gon may have been. 
So my experience has really shown me that the potent power of our Chachamim and Pneumia Satora specifically offers something to the realm of addiction, offers something to the realm of the, the lowest and fullest expression of what it means to be a human being so that we can really find within our sources themselves answers to the addiction that we all live with, to the particular space where we struggle with things that we're stuck in, where we struggle with being attached to something that has grown old or being stuck in behaviors that we wish we could let go of, yet we're still stuck within them. Things that have become chametzdik, things that have gone beyond their proper time, gone beyond their proper allotment of time, things that we find ourselves moaning and sighing about, the pain of our experiences. Our tradition offers insight, not necessarily in how to cure anything, but how to take that energy, how to take that brokenness, and utilize it as a catalyst to not only get out of the brokenness, but to elevate ourselves or chase to a greater extent, to a place higher than somebody who may never have experienced these issues in the first place. Now, on a certain level, the shirim that we have given already on Reish Milin from Rav Kook's Chusia Ganalenu, on the introduction to the Leshem Shavavachalomas Chusia Ganalenu, these shirim, which describe the ontological or technical way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu manifests in the world through the mode of gvuros, through the intensification and the materialization of multiplicity and difference, so that human beings have the power to volitionally choose good over bad, choose light over darkness, choose freedom over servitude, thereby disclosing a deeper level of unity and a more ferocious power of spirituality, on a certain level, the 32 shirim which we have given thus far can be considered an introduction to what we're going to be discussing with regards to the condition and the phenomenon and the lived experience of addiction in all of its multifarious expressions. Because what we discussed in Reish Milin and the Leshem is the how Hashem, how the infinite, creates a world of distortion, creates a world of brokenness, creates a world of separation and concealment, thereby throwing the cosmos and our own experiences into disarray, into confusion, into concealment, into the capacity to choose between one thing and its opposite, with all of the myriad expressions of human suffering in each of our own individual singular ways, how all of that was for the sake of disclosing an additional adornment, a deeper level of spiritual unity that can only be expressed vis-a-vis darkness. Because when the infinite or when light is forced to take over the realm of darkness itself, that way we see that light even has the ability to swallow darkness, to force darkness to admit to the light. Now, addiction as a mental illness, as a lived experience, as a condition that on a certain level we all experience to one extent or another, is this exact phenomenon. It is a phenomenon that forces an individual into the recesses of themselves, into the darkest pockets of energy that abide within each and every individual, the places of fear, the places of anxiety, the places of discomfort and suffering that force the individual to try and escape through any means necessary, whether it's through ideas or behaviors or through substances themselves. And the, the abjectness and the poisonness and the destructive tendencies of addiction, in spite of all of their darkness, and the darkness is very real, which is why we're not trying to rationalize or romanticize or speak of addiction as some beautiful thing, heaven forbid, because it's a horrific thing. But when a person finds themselves, Lemafreya, stuck within this arena, stuck within the place of addiction, that individual is now endowed with the possibility of deepening their spiritual experience, of showing a connection to God, showing a connection to light, showing a connection to faith, and showing a connection to the ability to live life on life's terms in the hishta'avut, with the equanimity that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh describes, that without addiction would never have been possible. So although the suffering of addiction is profound, and if a person can run away from it, a person can run away from it, and they should, 
once a person finds themselves stuck within the space of addiction of any kind, what they open themselves up to is the potential and the possibility of uncovering and disclosing latent spiritual strengths and energy that without addiction could have never been realized. That the descent into the depths and the abyss of the self allows for a resurgence in a doubled expression. That we are doubling our potency. We are emerging from the darkness with a light that now is not simply just light, but it is light that overtakes darkness itself. And like we're going to see next week, this is the secret of the elevation of the Balchuva, the repentant above the truly righteous individual. Because like the Zohar tells us, that in spite of the fact that the Balchuva, the repentant individual who falls into all manners of darkness and concealment in their lives, that descent, although it is painful and destructive and dark and the suffering is absolutely real and not some abstract concept, and if we can, we choose the other direction, nevertheless, once a person finds themselves in the space of having fallen, what they are endowed with is the ability to now emerge out of that experience and to reach a level of experience that is much loftier than what could have possibly been experienced had they not fallen down. So addiction is the sugya of the gavuros, the sugya of the concealment, the sugya of the destruction that abides within each and every individual's life and the pain that we experience in the moment to moment of being a ben olam hazeh of being an individual with a neshama from the elyonim who lives within the tachtonim and the dissonance that emerges from there, addiction is this sugya that Rav Kuk was describing in Reish Milin and that the Leshem talks about all the time, which is the mituk of the gavuros, the sweetening of the judgments, the ability to take the negative, to take the broken, to take the bitter and the mrirus, and to be mahapechid, and to flip it, and to laugh about it, and to show that within the darkness itself, within the concealment, within the addiction, within the shibud, within the concealment of the self, within itself, within the self-destructive tendencies that we all have, abides a deeper light of kedusha. that if we're given the ability, and with people in our lives to come out of it, we can show a deeper level of kedusha and a deeper level of awe. Now, one of the reasons that I was so excited to start tonight with this series of shirim as opposed to next week is because tonight is the beginning of Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph. And if there's any Rosh Chodesh, if there's any time period in the Jewish calendar where one can speak about the benefits of moving out of darkness and the deepened experience that we engage in, when we take the brokenness of our lives, the addictions of our lives, the stuckness of our lives, the enslavement of our lives, and we force it into the light, it's going to be the Zman of Adar. It's going to be the Zman of other Aleph and other Bays, which benefit and are enlightened with the light of Purim that takes place in the heart of it. Because unlike any other Yantif, the Yantif of Purim and the Chodesh of Adar is the Chodesh of Schok, is the Chodesh of laughter. As the Sefer Yetzirah describes that the anthropomorphic tendency associated with the month of Adar is the Tchuna, is the nature of laughter. Now, laughter at its core, at its redemptive capacity, is the ability to recognize the incongruity of our experiences, to see how, according to every level, of our intellectual understanding and our logical understanding, that things are dark, things are broken, things are concealed. Yet, there is the ability to look at something and recognize that it can be flipped in the entirely opposite direction. That in spite of the entrenchment, in spite of the fallenness within the difficulties of our lives, there is something that can change it in a moment. And what that does is that gives birth to laughter. That this laughter, this laughing, this ability to recognize that what we thought was happening is not all that there is. That the darkness of our lives, that the addictions of our lives, that the fallenness of our lives is not where we need to live our whole lives and that we could emerge from within it and that we can find the properties of, of redemption within the suffering of addiction itself 
that gives birth to laughter. That gives birth to the schok of Purim, to the laughter of Yitzchak, to the laughter that the Gevuros experienced when that which was severe, that which was harsh, that which was broken and shattered is shown to have really contained within itself a light that is higher than anything that was fixed and anything that was ordered. Now, an idea that really represents the way that we're going to be looking at the entire sugya of addiction through the lens of mitoka gvuros, through the lens of sweetening the gvuros, is going to be a teaching from the Sodya Sharam. It's going to be a teaching from Rav Gershon Henach of Radzin, the son of the Beis Yaakov, the grandson of the Meshiloach. And what we're going to find is throughout the sugyos of addiction, throughout the sugyos of cheros from within Shibud, of freedom from within this entrenchment and enslavement within destructive behaviors and destructive tendencies, the Beis Medrash of Ishbitz and the Beis Medrash of Radzin, almost to the level of Rabbi Nachman, have insights that are applicable to anybody in the world. And in Parshas Toldos, the Sodi Sharm says something remarkable when it comes to looking at the Sugya of Yitzchak. That in contradistinction to Avraham, who was representative of light that exists in its own, Yitzchak is the light that emerges from within harshness and that emerges from within difficulty. And Avimelech, we're told, was able to recognize the godless, the greatness of Avram Avinu because it was apparent. Avram Avinu was rich. Avram Avinu was capable of expressing the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the light of God, because Avram was an individual who didn't suffer at all. Avram was an individual whose experience of God was revealed, where he didn't get stuck in the entrenchment and the dark pockets of our lives. Yitzchak, on the other hand, the archetype of Gevura, the archetype of severity, of experiencing suffering, of experiencing brokenness, Avimelech comes to him and he sees that same blessing within him. He sees the same blessing of bracha, of the ability to emerge out of darkness and to show the light of Kedusha in the world in Yitzchak himself. But Avimelech is confused because I understand, says Avimelech, that by Avraham Avinu, by the concept of chesed and clarity and light and freedom from any compulsion towards addiction, I understand why the light of God is there because there's nothing destructive there. There's no darkness there. He says, but by you, Yitzchak, how are you rich? How do you benefit from the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? If you represent severity and you represent concealment, and you represent the descent into the abysmal pockets of your life. And the Sod Yisharim says something remarkable. He says as follows. He says, this is what my father, the great teacher, the tzaddik said. He's talking about the Beis Yaakov, the son of the Meishiloach. In the name of Rav Bunim of Pshischa. And Rav Bunim said as follows, That when Avimelech confronts Yitzchak and sees his success and sees the blessings of his life, he says, I have seen, but the Lashon of I have seen is doubled, Re'ei Ra'inu. And the Sod Yisharim is asking in the name of Rav Bunim, why does Avimelech have to say, I have seen the blessings of life within you in a doubled language? And the Sod Yisharim says as follows. He says, Because by your father, by Avram, which is representative of chesed, and light, and an easy experience in life where one doesn't fall into the pockets of difficulty. So then it's simple to see the light of experience and the light of Hashem in there. All you need is one vision. All you need is one Lashon of Re'iyah, to look at it once. Aval but by you Yitzchak, by those neshamos where the light of Hashem is concealed, where what you see externally speaking is destruction and entrenchment and a stuckness and an enslavement and an addiction towards the base elements of experience, towards the concealment of the world, being stuck within the Yisurin, being stuck within those things which pull a person away from light, by you, Yitzchak, we need to look twice. We need to do a double-take. Because externally speaking, when a person looks at the sugya of Yitzchak, when a person looks at the sugya of addiction and gvuros, a person doesn't see blessing. A person sees abject suffering. 
But when you look twice, when you take a double take and you hold your gaze and you allow yourself to look beyond that which makes you uncomfortable and that which forces you to avert your gaze, when you choose to gaze and stare deeper into that which makes you uncomfortable, deeper into the gavuros and those pockets of destruction and addiction in the world, what you will come to find is that within the sugya of Yitzchak, within the sugyos of being stuck, within the sugya of the Eight Sahara itself, a person can disclose and uncover a deeper level of light that would not have been revealed if not for the difficulty itself. And that is going to be the guiding principle in terms of how we approach the concept of addiction. That within the abject exteriority of addiction, within the real world suffering that each and every person who undergoes any experience of addiction or any human being on their own particular level experiences, that within those experiences themselves, we can uncover a light that is doubled. It's an ore that comes from within the Choshech itself. It's an ore like the Leshem and Rav Kook taught us in the series of Shirim that we have gone through already. It's an ore that shows the infinite potential of light to overcome darkness itself. Now, the guiding principle that I am going to be working with in these Shirim, like we've said, is that everybody, simply as a human being, lives within the arena of the potential towards addiction. And that on a certain level, it is reasonable for each and every person as a human being living in the world of concealment and he'elem and the alma de shikra and the world of lies like the Zohar Kadosh refers to our experience as, it's reasonable for anybody to become enslaved and addicted to anything that is going to make life more manageable. That is a reasonable experience. We are no longer stuck within the archaic ideas or the draconian ideas that the addict or the alcoholic is somebody who is stuck in a process of bad behavior because they choose substance over their life responsibility. Thankfully, the field of addiction has graduated from that unfortunate concept, which went to war with addicts and placed addicts in institutions and in jails because we felt it was bad behavior. And we've graduated towards the idea that addiction is the result of genetic propensity It is the result of a neurochemical imbalance within the brain that for the addict or for the alcoholic or for anybody on their own particular level, the attempt to escape life is not simply a choice that we make between two options, but there is a compulsion at the heart of addictive tendency. And what we're trying to understand is why that is. What we're trying to understand from within Panimia Satora is why is it so easy for a person to want to escape their lives? Why is it so easy for a person to want to find relief in things other than the interiority of themselves, in things other than godliness and Kedusha? So what we're going to be working with in these series of Shirim is the assumption that it is a very reasonable thing to try and escape your life in any means that a person finds themselves escaping. And nowhere else does this come out clearer than in the writings of Rabbi Nachman, Slusiyaganalenu. In Lukutim Maharan, in a hundred places, Rabbi Nachman stresses and emphasizes a deep awareness of the difficulty of life. That unlike many other people who saw or claimed that the spiritual or religious experience was one that negated or concealed or, or comforted a person in the face of the difficulties of life, Rabbi Nachman gazed and was capable of looking at the natural elements of living in a world of olamazeh, of living in a world of alma de shikra, in a world of lies, and he understood very well why a person would want to give up hope, why a person would want to be unhappy, which is why on a certain level why Rabbi Nachman ushered unhappiness and ushered giving up hope prohibited it because he understood the danger of what it meant to give up hope, and he also understood the allure of giving up hope. Now, in Lukuta Maran Chelek Beis, Simen Kufyud Tes, in a profound Torah, Rabbi Nachman goes through and expresses that it's not only the abject individuals who suffer explicitly in life that suffer. A person, when they look at the externals of the world, might assume that those who suffer, it's clear on their faces, it's clear on their experience that they're suffering, And those who look like they're successful are the ones who are successful with money, with wealth, with material, with family support. 
What Rabbi Nachman points out in Torah Kufiyot Tess and Lakutamaran Chilak Beis is that there is nobody, quo human being, who is free from the degradation, the suffering, and the darkness of what it means to be a human being. That there is nobody who is not filled, Rabbi Nachman says, with tirdot, with issues, with da'agot, and worried, v'atzvus, and sadness, v'yagon, and moaning, v'anacha, and sighing. V'chol echad yuchadim. And each person, according to their own particular level, has their own level of suffering. And there is nobody who lives their life according to their own will. And everybody, each and every individual, is filled with suffering and frustration and fear at every moment. And this is abundantly clear to anybody who contemplates the ways of individuals. And the Nachman continues and he says, And there is no way of freeing yourself from the suffering and the difficulty of life rather than running to God and running towards being Esek in Torah. And the wise individual is going to have their eyes in their head, capable of looking forward beyond the immediate moment of gratification towards the consequential thinking that allows us to make choices based on the future rather than the present. That the individual should take the suffering, should take the investment and the intensity of what it means to be human, to be a human being, and transform it into an amelus of Torah, into a struggle for spirituality. That this is the reason a person is born in order for them to toil in spirituality. This idea that Rabbi Nachman describes that suffering is the natural state of things. Human suffering is a given. That's not the question. The question is what a person does with that suffering. Whether you attach yourself to some object or substance that is going to take you out of the world, that is going to numb you and block you from the truth of your experience and make you feel as if everything is benachas u b'shalva, or whether you are going to take that negative energy to take that intensity of experience and apply it towards matters of spirituality. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he gives a stamp. There's, there's no way to misinterpret the statement of Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman got up and said, Everybody says that there is this world and that there is the next world. This world, which is the world of toil, which is the world of Avoda, which is the world of being able to be bocher in good over bad. And the next world, which is a world of redemption, which is a world of schar, which is a world of receiving what we want. And Rabbi Nachman says, the next world, the world of schar, the world of redemption. We believe that there's an olam haba. That's not difficult. And here Rabbi Nachman says something profound. It's possible that there is a world somewhere out in the worlds, out in the galaxy, out in the, in the spheres. Maybe there is a world, maybe there is a place where we can actually choose to do good and experience comfort instead of suffering. Because here in this world, in our situatedness, within our experience in the day-to-day, it appears to be Gehenim. Because everybody, each and every individual in their own singular subjective experience, experiences a certain level of suffering. The Ammar and Rabbi Nachman got up and he said, That there is no world whatsoever. Because what we confront when we confront the world is the natural tendency that a human being has to run away from the world. That we're born through an act of disconnection that our first experience as human beings is one of being cut off away from the source of life, from the womb, from the embryotic experience that we had of comfort. Like Adam Arishan, who was kicked out of Gan Eden, Vayigarisha Adam, 
divorced, so to speak, from God, kicked out and pushed away to the extent that the human being, as human being, always feels like they're being chased away from where they're supposed to be. That this is the natural human condition. And Rabbi Nachman says that the suffering and the amelus is not the question. That's a given. That's something every person is going to have to go through. The question is, where do you take that energy? Where do you apply those darker pockets of your experience, your tendency to escape, your tendency to self-destruct, your tendency to attach yourself to all things unhealthy? Do you apply that to addiction? Do you apply that to becoming addicted to self-destructive, self-nullifying alien substances, false gods, Adukim ba'avodazara, like the Gemara in Avodazara says on Davchaf Beis, Adukim is almost like a lashon of addiction. They're so deeply entrenched within their foreign worship. Or do we take this tendency to self-escape and to find transcendence within our lives, to free ourselves from the suffering of life? Do we take it and we apply it to spiritual properties? And in, in these series of classes, what you will not be hearing from me is an emphasis on one particular way of recovery from addiction over another. But anybody who experiences some sort of recovery process from any type of addiction understands that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous or any of the many anonymous groups is part and parcel of what we refer to as a treatment plan or part and parcel of a program of recovery. Now, what is most profound about the 12 steps is that when Bill Wilson the founding father of Alcoholics Anonymous, was confronted with the issue of alcoholism, of addiction, of being stuck in destructive and negative behaviors, instead of answering the issue is the substance, get rid of the substance, the issue is the alcohol, get rid of the alcohol, the issue is the drug, get rid of the drug, Bill W. had the profound level of intuition which was capable of recognizing one simple truth, that your addiction has so little to do with your substance of choice that it is laughable. That whether it is heroin, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, shopping, looking at things, running away from things, being unkind, overly emotional, over-rational, music, being, being unkind to your spouse, being unkind to your parent, being unkind to your child, ignoring your responsibilities, adhering to the, the moaning and the groaning of your own personal experience, whatever your addiction might be, whatever you're stuck in, it's not a question of the particular substance, but it's the question of why. What Bill W's intuition was, what the, the brilliance of 12-step theory is, is that it's not a question of how do you get rid of your substance of choice or your behavior of choice but rather why are you attached to this behavior in the beginning? What is it that is causing you so much pain in your life that is forcing you to try and escape? And like Rabbi Nachman Lahavdil, we find in Alcoholics Anonymous, in 12 steps of any program of recovery, that spirituality becomes a fundamental component because it is not the craving or the attachment to a substance that is the problem. Like we said, that is a natural reaction to the pain of life. The problem becomes when we become attached to a substance instead of being attached to what we're truly seeking, which is comfort that comes from a place of truth, comfort that comes from a place of MS, comfort that comes from a place of eternity, which is connection and dveikos to spirituality. And in a famous letter from Bill W. to Carl Jung, Carl Jung, the main student of Sigmund Freud, possibly speaking the father of modern psychology, notwithstanding the many issues that abide within the writings of Carl Jung, Carl Jung was attached on a certain level to a spiritual practice, to a spiritual ideal. And Carl Jung wrote a famous letter back to Bill W., to the founding father of Alcoholics Anonymous, after being told by Bill W., that Carl Jung's teachings were a major influence in the development of 12-step theory. And I'm not going to be reading from the letter, which is very easily found online, other than a few lines. And Carl Jung describes to Bill W. what his main theory of alcoholism and what addiction is. And he says as follows, he says, his craving for alcohol was the equivalent on a low level of the spiritual thirst of our being for wholeness, 
expressed in medieval language as the union with God, or described in Psalms 42.1, quote, as the heart pineth after water brooks, so too does my soul pineth after God. That ke'ayot ta'arog alafike mayim, ke'nafshi sa'arog elecha eloikim. That Carl Jung states that the issue is not the craving. The issue is not the attempt to escape life because life is overwhelming. And like Rabbi Nachman told us, life is male yisurin. And that on a certain level, there is no olam hazeh. How are we meant to function in this world? How are we meant to function in the face of yisurin, in the face of darkness and concealment? And what Carl Jung says is the problem is not the craving to escape, but the problem is that what we truly want is wholeness. What we truly want is a connection, a dveikus, a connection to something lasting and real that will satisfy our thirst, that will satisfy our attempt to escape this world and will comfort us in the face of the ha'alamos and the concealment of this world. The problem of addiction to any particular substance is not the craving towards transcendence, is not the craving to escape life, but the problem is that we get stuck along the way with an idol of a substance, whatever substance it might be, when in truth, what we're truly craving is something much bigger than the substance, much bigger than any substance, drug, or drink can ever offer us. What the individual is truly craving on their own particular level is a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a connection to spirituality or a power greater than the individual self. And Carl Jung finishes and he says, you see, alcohol in Latin is spiritus. And you use the same word for the highest religious experience as well as the most depraving poison. The helpful formula, therefore, is spiritus contra spiritum. That the same word that describes alcohol, the same word that describes the toxicity of our attempt to escape this world through means that at the end of the day are self-destructive, is the same impulse that drives the individual to try and transcend themselves towards a connection towards something larger than themselves, towards something infinite. And the only problem of addiction in its abstract form is that instead of cleaving towards something infinitely large, we have cleaved ourselves to something that appears large, which is poisonous in its nature. To end the introduction to the Yishurim, I want to read from the Zohar HaKadosh, from Chilak Aleph in the Zohar, Daf Kuf Gimel Amad Aleph and Amad Beis, which is going to be instructive in how each and every individual can approach the idea of addiction. Because the Zohar is deeply aware of a fundamentally significant concept, which is that when it comes to matters of the self, and when it comes to matters of understanding God on our own level, of spirituality and redemption and all of the positivity that we associate with the concept of Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and light, that at the end of the day, it is a deeply subjective experience. Rabbi Nachman expresses this explicitly in the first Sicha and Sicha Saran, Sicha Aleph, where he quotes from the Zohar. The Balatanya quotes from the Zohar in numerous places in Parak Mandal and amongst them. The Mitlarebbe in his Kuntras Ha'avoida and Kuntras Ha'spalus expresses this multiple, multiple times. The importance of each and every person recognizing that their truth is a subjective truth. That when talking about concepts of human experience, human suffering, or human redemption, it is not some bite-sized cookie-cutter expression of what spirituality is, but it's something that each and every person can only understand within their own hearts on a level that is nearly inexpressible to the other. I can tell you what it feels like. I can tell you what it might look like according to my own experience. But what I cannot share with you is what it is going to be for your own experience. And the Zohar HaKadosh expresses this explicitly, that each person is going to understand every experience, and addiction included, on their own relative level. So that whether or not a person has ever touched a substance, or whether a person has been addicted to substances in their lives, the formula is going to be the same, that on a certain bechina, on a certain level, we are compelled to try and escape from this world. And what the shirim are going to be about is where that feeling comes from and how to cure it from within itself, how to find comfort from within our own experiences of difficulty. The Zohar opens as follows, and it says, Rabbi Yehuda Pasach, Rabbi Yehuda opened up, darshaning on the Pasach in Mishlei, in Eishas Chayil, 
Parak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Chav Gimel. Noide b'sha'arim ba'le b'shivtoim ziknei aretz. Ta'chazi, come and see. Kutsha b'richu istalek b'yikrei. HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes himself in his grandeur and his greatness. Dihu ganiz v'satim b'iloi sagya. And he is concealed and hidden on levels that are appropriate for him. Lav esi ba'alma. He is not found explicitly in this world. And there is nobody from the original creation that has been capable of understanding the Chachma of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They have been incapable of understanding and standing upon it. Because it is concealed and hidden. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu and meaning and essence and comfort has removed itself. And there is nobody from the elevated realms of being or from the lower realms of being that is capable of connecting to it. To the point that everybody says, Baruch Kavod Hashem Praiseworthy and blessed is God from His place, from a place that is removed from where I am at the particular moment. Those who are lower say it is above. And those who are above say it is below. To the point that the, both those who are above and those who are below, those who are functioning and those who are dysfunctional, both have no idea how to grab hold of what we are searching for. It eludes us. The comfort of life eludes the individual. Begin to lo isyada because it can't be grasped in this world. Velo have a and there's nobody who's capable of grasping the essence, grasping what it means to be comfortable in this world with the recognition that Hashem runs everything. And you're telling me no bala, and you're telling me asks Rabbi Yehuda, you're telling me that it is apparent in the in in the sharem bala that it's recognizable in the gates. How could it be? Nobody has a grasp. So the Zayar HaKadosh continues and it says, What does the Pasuk mean when it says, It is known in the gates? What is known? What does each person know? They understand They understand the higher power. They understand godliness. They understand spirituality. A person grasps the concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a person grasps the concept of connection and comfort according to the imaginations and the conjecture of their own heart, their own subjective experience. Each individual according to the level that they are capable of connecting to their own spirit. According to the measure of which a person is capable of grasping HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be for that person. And therefore the Pasuk says it is known in the Sha'arim, it is known in the gates of the individual, of the Shi'urim, of the conjectures of the individual, within the own individual imaginations of a person's heart. But to be known absolutely in a way that we can say it's objective, nobody has access to it. When it comes to understanding concepts of addiction, of stuckness, of Yitzhahara, of the negative side of experience, of the darker side of life, in the things that we get stuck in and enslaved in, it is a subjective matter that each and every person discerns within their own heart, their own level of fallenness, as well as their ability of redeeming themselves by connecting to spirituality. And to end, one of the fundamental expressions within the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, within the theory of Bill W., is that in the third step, it's described as, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. That's the second step. And in the third step, it says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God as we understand him, to God as we understand him, to a higher power as it is within our own individual hearts. 
each and every individual according to the conjecture and the wonderings of their heart. So in these series of shirim, what we're going to find is that addiction, the word addiction is a heuristic device that is expressive of any level of stuckness and suffering that a person experiences. And the concept of a higher power, the concept of recovery and redemption is also going to be a remarkably subjective experience where only the individual can truly understand when and how it is that they are comfortable. Next week, Be'ezra Hashem, we're going to dive into the concept of the neshamos that experience addiction, the neshamos of Kayin, the neshamos of the Balei Tshuva, or like Rav Kook is going to show us, the neshamos of Olamatohu, the souls of chaos, which although apparently and explicitly they experience suffering and darkness, in truth, they're capable of a deeper level of spiritual experience than somebody who had not experienced darkness. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.